listener exclusive. From the Penguin Parade at Phillip Island to that new building development in the middle of Warrigal, this is Talking Gippsland with Ed Cowlishaw. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Gippsland. I'm Ed Cowlishaw. Today we catch up with an adventurer, a man that is passionate about wildlife and even more so about our beautiful backyard in Gippsland. His name is Ben Bradley, but we know him affectionately as Ranger Benny. Kick back, relax and enjoy an emotional ride on our chat today with Ben Bradley. Part one here on Talking Gippsland. Talking Gippsland, we're coming from Yarragon and we're catching up with a very good friend of uh, the Triple M Ed for Breakfast show, uh, Ranger Benny. But we're going to go deep dive into Benny's life and get his full name today, which will be really cool uh, as well. And talk about his journey because it hasn't always been mother nature and looking after the animals and all that sort of stuff at Gumbaya World, it's been a really interesting nomadic journey. And uh, Benny's going to join us now. Ranger Benny, can I get you to state your full name and title, please? <laughs> For the record. Yes. Uh, John Gary Benjamin Austin Bradley. Okay. So <laughs> how do we call you? Do we go, which which name let, do you want to go with, explain. Ben? Or which one do we go with? Let me explain. Yeah. So, so John is my grandfather. Gary is my dad. Benjamin Austin is me. So depending on where you know me from, there's plenty of people out there that know me as Benny. There's a bunch of people out there who know me as Austin as well, which was a name I used when I was living overseas and things. Bit of an alias, you know. (laughs) Makes it easier to cover my tracks, you see. But, um, yeah, there's a – but it's Benny. You can call me Benny, mate. Okay, so (laughs) for Australian border officers, it's Benny. So we're going with Benny today. Anything official, it's John, but we'll we'll roll. If we're in England, where you were born, do we go with Austin? Um – yeah, from when I went back, I've spent a few years back there wow. um, as on a bit of an, an epic journey um, at, when I was in my early 20s. And ev- yeah, everybody I met there, I just wanted a bit of a change at that time. Um, so, you know, change is as good as a holiday. So I went with, went with Austin over there. And I even spelt it with a Y just to really mess myself up. So <laughs> anyone that knows you, that's normal. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, born in England. Tell us about the childhood there. Was it brief or was it long time there? How did that initially come from England to Australia? Yeah, so it was pretty rapid for me. I don't have any uh, memories from then. I came across when I was two, so with just my mum and there were three siblings at the time there. Uh, So I have have quite a complicated uh, family uh, I call it my family vine as opposed to the family tree. There's, there's so many little intricacies in there, which is more and more commonplace these days. Um, so, yeah, I came across here when I was two with the family. Uh, my dad uh, stayed behind. He was actually in prison at the time, right. uh, which gives you a little bit of an inkling as to yeah. what, what that. But in saying that, I've had the most positive, happy upbringing that I can remember. So uh, maybe I blocked some stuff out. I don't know, mate. But um, no, no, it was, it was really positive up- upbringing and you know, couldn't be more grateful for what my mum was able to provide for us. Um, I have no idea how, how she did it, how she got us all through those times, especially when we were younger. Um, and then, yeah, so now I've got a, a, another younger brother as well and there's a half-sister in there and there's all these step-people as well. So, And they're all family. So we, we all, the, the five of us siblings sort of grew up as that core with mum. Let's go back to you and a discussion that you might have had with your mum or maybe not about that time and was it traumatic for her? Was she stoic just going, no, I have to do this. We're coming to Australia. How did that decision come about? Because you did allude uh, that your father was in prison at the time when you came out here. 
how did that all evolve from your mother's uh, point of view? Well, I'll give you a copy of the book, mate. Wow. Yeah, so it is It is a, a tale to be told. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, the, the respect I've got for my mum for getting through all that stuff, you know, there's... The, the complications in my family are, so I say I've got all these siblings. In terms of full blood siblings, there's me and my brother, mm-hmm. Mark. And then I've got, we've got an extra couple of siblings who are older and they've got a different dad. And then my younger brother is a different dad. So, and then my dad has his own extra child as well. So um, for her, there was, you know, there was physical abuse involved there yeah. that she's gone through from, from different mm-hmm. ages and terrible, terrible stories and... You know, the the person that she is now, um, she's the most loving, forgiving sort of person that I've ever met. And I'm like, how, how do you do that? And, you know, you talk about the nomadic journey that I've been on. I definitely in- inherited that from my mum and that ability to, to have a positive outlook on life. You know, even if things are really challenging and they have been at, at times, um, yeah, just to really take a positive out of that. Um, you know, on the day-to-day, but on the overall as well. So, um, yeah, Psychogenic Seesaw is the name of that book, mate, and I'll give you a copy at some point. So it's it's an interesting read. If you never really know what's going on in someone's backyard, do you, in a lot of ways? But you have alluded to that, hey, you had a pretty good childhood, a fun childhood, something different every which way you turned. (laughs) Um, Doing the research and having a listen to what you're saying off-air as well, the amount of schools and <laughs> journey that you went through before you were 18. Um, the education is so vast, but I think that what endears you to people and the way that you can talk to anyone of any walks of life is the fact that you've had so many different experiences mm. up and down the coastline here, there and everywhere, and then finally landed in Gippsland. Yeah, uh, Gippsland is home for me. Like I've lived in literally over 50 different places, I think, at last count, it was about seven or eight different schools, um, but primarily in Gippsland through my those formative years, those teenage years mm. when I'm really figuring out who I am. Um, so right across, particularly South Gippsland, the coastal areas over there, um, and really got a heart for the place. I don't think I realised how much I love Gippsland until I left Gippsland and started travelling the world and you, and you see these magnificent cities and how amazing they are. Um, and then when you're coming back to your home with with some fresh eyes, and I'll never forget on the first backyard I got into after getting picked up from the airport, just hearing the magpies doing their warbling song, and I'm like, oh, it was it was magical. And yet you have a whole lifetime hearing that, and then you just take it for granted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just those those little things that you know I love this place. There's so much variety and and what what we can do and what what's to offer in Gippsland. It has this calling doesn't it, in a lot of ways and I know for myself and my family we've only been here a year yeah. well, we're Victorians don't worry there's a big V on our chest <laughs> wherever we go uh, but we've spent time in Broome and Darwin and uh, South Australia Riverland of South Australia and places like that Perth and mm-hmm. uh, just for work and all that sort of stuff but I guess the other thing is we've been looking for home We've been looking for a place to call home that is close to family, but also arm's length. Arm and a stick's length or just arm's length? (laughs) uh, Maybe a stick, maybe a little tweak, maybe 140 k's. But at the same time, it just gives you that bearing on what's going on. And I look at your backyard here in in Yarragon in Gippsland and, you know, you've got the kids there on the couch. They're looking to purchase another game or whatever it is for their system. Well, they're designing games as well in oh, there. They're oh, programming. Creative little crackers. Well, which too. is great. You've got the dogs. You've got more animals than you can poke a stick at. <laughs> but do you feel content? Because when you grow up and you, 
you're travelling all the time. When you stop, sometimes you feel as though, hang on a second, I'm getting itchy feet, I need to go again. Yeah, look, this is absolutely, that's a constant challenge for me. Um, usually in the winter time, um, it really kicks in then. Um, just that, not the grass is greener over there necessarily, yeah. but just that, that search for adventure and to feel like I'm fulfilling that, that, and it's like a calling in me that I feel sometimes. It's like a call to the wild almost, as corny as that might sound. Um, I've always felt that, like even from a young kid. Um, so even my, my ancestry and my, my background is, is native, native Indian, so Native American. And that's something that's on my father's side. So it's something that I've sort of knew about when I was younger, but because I didn't, didn't know my dad. So, you know, he popped into our life when I was, you know, about 11 or 12 for a six-month period and then um, was gone again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went on that journey to actually find him and went, once I got some, some clarity to that, um, that feeling that I've felt my whole life that, you know, why am I the one who's always wanting to get off the track? You know, everybody else has to stick to the path over here. I'm like, but there's adventure right there, guys. Mm-hmm. Like, follow me. Let's, let's go. I'll, I'll take you. Um, and I was just called to that stuff just constantly. And, and it never really made sense because I heard about this whole Native American thing. And I'm like, oh, I can't claim it. I don't, maybe it's a story that was made up. You know, my dad was a bit of a storyteller and a con man and all these sorts of things. But when I went across there, I spent a couple of years. I actually tracked him down, uh, which was an adventure. You'll have to read my book for that one, mate. It's, it's a work in progress. But um, I, I tracked him down and, and got a lot of those questions answered um, about who I am, you know, through who he is and his journey. And, and um, yeah, I think had I not gone on that journey, I probably wouldn't be fulfilling that, um, that wild aspect of who I am now because I still wouldn't be able to claim it. But I really claim it now and, and walk in it, live in it. Um, and it, and it, it's a good feeling that I can, um, you know, not just do that for myself, but, you know, bring my family along yeah. and in my job now that I get to do just to, yeah, bring, bring an audience along there with me. I, I, it's a real privilege to be able to do that sort of thing. Did you find that that moment where you've gone, hang on, I need answers here. Why am I going this way and that way where everyone else is on is pretty much a straight bell curve? Uh, your story needed to have some answers to it how hard was it to go you know and deal with the emotions of going yeah look I'm, I need to find out more I've got to speak to dad oh, I was incredibly difficult at the time because you know not everybody in my family needed that so yeah. there's some real hurt and pain caused by my dad on people in my family um, extreme hurt so I had to weigh that up and you know I in at some level I needed to put that aside a little bit because I needed this journey that that kind of outweighed the the potential problems that I might have with these people in my family. I always knew that the the strength in my family was there to be able to swing back around and strengthen those relationships again if I needed to because I just knew I needed to I just needed it. I you know, young man, it's hard enough, you know, in the perfect family, so to speak, to, to figure out who you are and or where you want to be journeying. But just knowing these these questions over me and all these stories that I had heard about my dad and, you know, just how charismatic he was and um, just he, how clever and the lifestyle that he led, good and bad, was it was like a stuff of movies. And I'm like, oh, I, I need to meet this guy. And, you know, the fact that I did was... 
you know, the best and some of the most challenging times of my life as well. So you're sitting in a room with with the man that I would call probably the smartest person I've ever met and the dumbest guy you've ever met as well, just with some of the decision-making and the life choices. And, yeah, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. But had I not taken that journey and met him as a, you know, a 21-year-old or whatever it was, and even better than that, when my wife and I got married, we did our... um, our first first or second anniversary going across to England and we spent three months over there and caught up with him a few times and, you know, he passed away only, you know, 18 months after that. Yeah. And I, I've now got someone to share it with. Like she's the only other person apart from my mum who, who, who really knows him kind of the way I do, um, which, is, which is really important. So, yeah. What was your mum's reaction? I just go for it. There was nothing but love and support from mum in that situation. Just, you know, you might come across some things and some stories and some situations. Like, he wasn't in a good place over there. He was, you know, when I was 11, he was deported to England um, to a psychiatric institute over there. And he sent back a little business card from that place, Bright Bow Lodge. And for whatever reason, as an 11, 12-year-old, my mum gave me that business card. And through all my moves, all these different places I went, I knew where that card was at all times because I knew I'd use it one day to find him. Mm. Um, and, you know, mum knew that as well. Even I never spoke to mum about that. She just knew the sort of person I was and, you know, there's similarities there that I'd be, you know, I was the person to give that to. And, yeah, without that card, it would have been a, a much different journey. So, yeah. Benny's joined us on the show. Uh, it's Talking Gippsland, of course, uh, and this is Local Voices with Local Stories, a.k.a. Ranger Benny, uh, which you can hear him sporadically on uh, Ed for Breakfast Show on Triple M as well. Um, did you find the answers that you were looking for when you when you finally got to your dad? You mentioned that he was in a psychiatric ward and things like that, so uh, there might have been things going left, right and centre with the information that you were getting. Did you get what you desired out of whatever relationship you could build? Absolutely, yeah. So I, I was living in the same... So I tracked him down to a beautiful city called Bath in England. And anyone out there who's been there, it's the most magical city. It's, you know, you think Jane Austen and all that, that theme, That's that was its heyday. And just... I used to live on one side of the city and he lived in the other and I used to work in a uh, little photography shop there and do my thing and... I'd walk the six miles across town to see him in the morning and I'd walk back and I'd usually go back there again and in the I've never walked so much in my life over that little period of time. But, um, yeah, just really just threw myself into his life, um, you know, and for a while there he was trying to hide the situation that he was in. It took, I think I was there about, you know, six or seven weeks before I actually got to see where he lived, which was effectively a... a a drug den that had been taken over by a couple of meth dealers who my dad was living in the kitchen and they'd taken over and it was blacked out and, you know, the grime on the walls, the, yeah, the, the visceral sort of things for a 21-year-old to see. Um, it really just changed my outlook on life. Not to think badly about that, but just to see how quickly some of these people, you know, my dad's best friends, they're, they're the, the people living on the streets, you know, the ones selling the big issue and all these sorts of people. And, and they became my friends as well. And I've got a real heart for those people who are in those circumstances because when you hear their stories, sometimes it can happen from, you know, the smallest little situation, the loss of a job or um, the way they react to a marriage breakdown or an instance in life that just sends them on this little journey. So, 
yeah, it opened my eyes up to, to a whole new world there, you know, for someone who was otherwise just, when I left, I'm like footy mad, you know, pretty self-indulgent sort of a person as, as most young people are, you know, and, and I got to experience that young party life and, and that was brilliant. I didn't hurt anyone else too bad. I didn't hurt myself too bad, but I'm glad I, I kind of got through that early and then shifted into a, a different realm of my life pretty early on um, because I don't think I'd be where I am now without that i suppose so yeah you're still on your journey really in a lot of ways when it came to your career you know obviously having that amazing upbringing of going here there and everywhere um different schools different places to see different people to meet uh then you meet your dad who's been estranged and, and finding out different stories of where you fit but then when it comes to jobs You've done it all uh, in a lot of things. You've built houses, you've done this, that, that. Photography you mentioned as yeah. well just before. How did you go finding where you're at? I know as we speak, VCE exams are going on at the moment. You've got young kids coming through as well that will go through that school journey and a lot of them just don't know or are fearful that they don't have a career pathway for themselves. Yeah. You found yours. You're obviously Ranger Benny at Gumbire Well. We know who you are. I don't know how that happened, mate, but yes, I am. <laughs> but you love it. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like you're there and the stability there as well. But how did you go with, through all those myriad of jobs and which one really sticks out where you just had just so much fun doing it? Yeah, so there was, there was literally everything you could think of, you know, plenty of labouring jobs and hospitality mm. work. And I just sort of threw myself into it. Because sometimes I'm living in these places for six weeks, eight weeks, six months, a year. So I just find up any job. There was, it was quite, I was a half-decent footballer back in the day, so I was lucky enough to get paid to play footy here and there as well, yeah, which right. was an extra sort of bonus. Because yeah. that's when you're doing something you love and you're getting paid for it, there's a real, you know, you feel pretty privileged in that position. But it wasn't until I, um, I started started getting into the, sort of the outdoor education. So I got, got my first job over there in Foster in South Gippsland, little, uh, well, it used to be a little camp called Camp Rumbug, um, which is just the most beautiful setting, you know, extreme hills. And they were doing, you know, there'd be 200 screaming kids um, running around there each week and we're throwing them in the mud and we're taking them on little giant swings and things like that. Um, so that's sort of where I got my first little step into um, kind of having an audience in front of me and delivering content to them. But it was, yeah. at that level, I'm working with primary school kids and I'm just, all right, let's go, guys. Let's go from here to here. And it was just fun. Um, and then I sort of transitioned into, we moved across here into more West Gippsland um, and got an opportunity to to manage a farm just up here on the hills and a really extreme property. And I, I started my own little business, Eagle Eye there and, on, at the same time, got a, a job at a place called The Summit as well. So The Summit was that same sort of school camp environment, but it was more geared at your secondary school levels. And it was all about, you know, their personal development and really setting them up for growth and success in their life as they move forward. And you'd, you'd take these lessons from challenging them with a big, you know, leap of faith or, a, you know, a walk across this or getting into tunnels underneath um, the other aspect was they had a couple of pythons there as well. So, you know, because of my work with Eagle Eye, which was, I just got the, the opportunity. We were, we were managing this property up here, you know, 100 acres, which backed onto all this magical bushland. 
Um, half of ours was bushland as well. And I used to spend, you know, my wife will attest to this, as soon as the sun come up, I was geared up no matter <laughs> what season and I'm out in the bush and I'm clearing tracks and I'm just had this vision for I want, I want people to come here and I want to take them on an experience while they're here. So I would give them, you know, wilderness survival training and maybe we might do a bit of animal tracking and I've just learned all this stuff myself along the journey, you know, watching good old Steve Irwin and people yeah. like this yeah. and just getting inspired by what they're doing. Just go, oh, how, how amazing is that and that personality? But, gee, I'd love to do that. And I could not try and replicate those people but bring myself into that position and I'm like, gee, that would be amazing. I reckon I've got a few things to that I could show people along the way too. Um, so, yeah, just just – Ran a, ran a few little camps up there with, with some small groups of mainly, um, you know, your 16-year-old footballers who are a little bunch of mates, not the whole team, but, you know, there might be five or six of them and they'd come up and they'd spend a weekend up there. I remember meeting one group down here in um, at the train station, sent them a message. That was their first clue. I didn't see them. We live 10Ks up the top of the hill up there and... There was clues the whole way and I just tracked along behind them and they're just following, they're finding little elements and then they had to get to the property and then they had to build their own shelter and they're making their own fire and I popped out of the bushes at one point and, uh, you know, gave them a bit more direction. But <laughs> I was just living out this, this idea that I thought would be an amazing career. So back to the summit there, I was, you know, given the opportunity to have these really in-depth conversations with people and not just, you know, throw them off a tower and give them an amazing experience, mm. but to have those people who were just paralysed with fear in that moment. And I was called upon to be able to talk them through that sort of situation. And you couldn't always do it. Absolutely. It's always their personal choice to do it. But the amount of satisfaction I would get at times um, and exhaustion, but I would be coming home just elated from being able to help that person through that situation and yeah so they got to do an abseiling thing big deal but when you align that with something else and you can teach them you know maybe when you're hitting that year 12 exam which just feels like too much you know remember that moment when you felt that exact same way at the top of that tower and you applied this this and this and you were able to at least give it a crack mm. you know so i'm really really grateful for the skills that i learned there um at at the summit and the opportunities i was given there to to you know get hands-on in that business and lead teams and um, do some crazy things out there it was awesome and then without knowing it it just sort of positioned me perfectly for for that step across to to Gumbai world um at the time that it all came and the way that it all came together was just yeah pretty perfect well, that's the end of part one of our chat with Ben Bradley. In part two, we dive into the world of adventure and why wildlife conservation is so important to Ben. My wildlife experience is catching and relocating venomous snakes for 15 years, and, and I taught myself to do that. So that's, that's the background that I'm bringing in here and trying to get jobs alongside people who with university degrees and full conservation backgrounds and all this sort of stuff. Um, so I figured... Just get yourself, get your foot in the door. Just because of the timing, the leadership at the time, the management, things just fell into place for me. Um, and not without, you know, putting my best foot forward. So I was making sure that I was positioning myself well and just doing a really good job at everything I did there. 
and um, and that was recognised by by people and and people who were influential to position me where what was the best for the company, which was coincidentally the best for me as well. So, like I look back at it now, and it's just I don't know how it's happened, but then again, I kind of do because it's just. Sometimes life experience can can outweigh that piece of paper. So mm. if if you're if you're um, worried about oh I'm lacking this experience in this and that area, just what you're bringing with you with your story and your journey and relatable skills in other areas, a work ethic, all these sorts of things are what's given me this opportunity now. Tune in to part two of our conversation with Ben Bradley on Talking Gippsland soon on Listener. A Listener Production.